What is the best approach for officers as it pertains to defensive tactics? How do you balance training to where you mitigate injury but maximize the realism of a violent encounter in the epidemic that is the TikTok cop generation? We talk about all that and more. Ruben Alvarez of Paradox Training Solutions joins us on today's episode. And this is a good one, guys. You do not want to miss it. You know what? I'm done talking. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Sit, Wait, and Talk show, a podcast for protectors by protectors. Remember, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So join us to stay ready for the fight ahead. 10 David, we have barricaded suspects with hostages at St. Demetri's Church. This is the police. Come out with your hands up. Do it now. We have suspect movement. Entry team is in. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we were SWAT. Aren't we supposed to just sit here and wait? Bang out! The Sit, Wait, and Talk podcast is powered by Force Frontier. Ruben, super excited to have you on the show. Ruben of Paradox Training Solutions. Brother, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, bro. How are you? Oh, I've been good. I've been good. Uh, definitely, you know, powering through the week. Uh, you know, work's been a little bit much, but you know how that is. As as a cop, as a SWAT guy, a jujitsu black belt, I think you have a lot of perspective on things that we talk about on this show. So super excited to have you. Um, and cannot wait to get in today's episode. Now, <clears throat> give the people a little bit of a background for those that don't know. Who are you? What are you about? And uh, tell us a little bit about Paradox Training. Uh, my name is Ruben Alvarez. I'm a full-time cop and SWAT dude on an agency in South Florida. I'm a third-degree black belt under Tom DeBlas. Been doing jiu-jitsu since I was like 15 years old. Competed professionally throughout my whole jiu-jitsu career since I was 16. And then followed the family footsteps of taking law enforcement career. And now I run Paradox Training Solutions with the blessing of uh, Craig Douglas from Shivworks. Okay. And we'll get into a little bit more about your training company as well as Craig, because I think he's, in my opinion, somebody that's really pushed the pace for law enforcement and somebody that has almost reinvented defensive tactics for guys like you and me, guys that are doing the job. Um, how? So as far as your third degree black belt under Tom DeBlas, I'm jealous because that's what I want for my kids ultimately. I'm, I got them in like the kids' classes at two and really just trying to instill that in them. And if they take off with it, you know, it make me the happiest dad. But that's awesome that you've been doing it so long and also have the background as a police officer. You know, what really turned me on to your content was you made a comment about guys that are trying to teach cops defensive tactics that aren't cops and some of the things that get mm -hmm. lost in translation with that. Can you talk about that a little bit? You know, what is, you know, I think you have so much to provide as a cop and as a black belt. You know, when you see that guys are trying to teach it, what do you think is getting lost in that translation? Well, when we were talking like off air, it's the same thing that applies is the stress behind the job, you know, working on minimal sleep, Constant caffeine take, getting pissed out by your sergeant about a report that's not due, and then you're patrolling an area. You know, like you're not in optimal performing planes. Neither are all cops. Most cops are dehydrated, bad diet, bad sleep, and then you have to perform. And yeah, I know most of it's on us, but still, you're going against somebody that wants to hurt you, and you're working in an environment that a weapon is always presented, which is yours. And jiu-jitsu, you know, 
it's a task versus priority thing. And I got that task versus priority from Will Petty from Centrifuge. And um, you see in jiu-jitsu, they're going over positions and submissions, but they're not focusing on where the hands are going, where an edge weapon could happen, or a gun could be presented in the fight, which cannot be yours. On top of that, you're dealing with possibly subjects that are on some form of narcotic. Block is big down here in Florida, um, and it gets them in this excited delirium phase, which you don't, you can't re, you can't replicate that in a jiu-jitsu role. So for some black belts that are teaching cops, they've never experienced this fighting, blood, uh, you know, an area where you're wearing all this gear, gun belts, vests, all that stuff. On top of that, going from probably sitting in a squad car doing a report for two hours, now you're jumping out of a car to back up somebody that's fighting over a gun. So I don't think they've experienced that too much where they've only watched police videos and then they're judging from that without knowing the full circumstances behind it. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about that. And sorry to cut you off, Ruben, (laughs) because you you touched on a lot of different things. But I think even the simple fact of – and this is not true for – most professors in jujitsu necessarily, but I've had it to where these guys are black belts, extremely talented in the art of jujitsu, but they don't carry a gun. So then you're talking about weapon retention and it doesn't translate because, well, my opinion is the most important thing is keeping the gun in the holster, not necessarily worrying about getting a Kimura lock that would then release the hand from the gun now we run into the potential problem of that gun coming out of the holster, and now that's a whole nother dilemma, right? So I think a lot of it is contextual in the circumstance that these people, you know, these individuals may not know the job like you're explaining it, the stress, the fatigue you feel, zero to a hundred. I'm typing a report. Now I'm fighting for my life. And I think that's where Craig Douglas's training kind of comes in to where he balances the realism of a fight. Like you're explaining, guys hopped up on some narcotic, whether it's meth, whatever it is, and they're going crazy. And it's so hard to replicate that on the mats, but to simulate that as best you can in a safe environment and training, I think is ultimately the answer for that. Would you agree? I agree. You should be pressure testing. And there should be a level of stress involved in it. So with sim guns, there's a pain compliance behind it. And you're learning through pain that, hey, I messed up here. It's like a shock knife. You know, you don't want to get shocked. You don't want to feel none of that. It's going to be the same thing as if somebody's coming at you with a knife. You don't want to get stabbed or you don't want to get shot. So I think dudes fighting over plastic guns is good for a little bit, but it's not giving that stress inoculation like you would in real life. You know, I want people to have fun in the classes but I also want them to know that it's very real. So that's why I love Craig Douglas's method because he learned from failure and then turned into a huge successful thing, but he had to break the barriers of what he did. If you listen to the origination of ShivWorks, he grabbed a bunch of motorcycle helmets, sim guns, and jackets, and they just went off, like validating every technique that they learned from the academy and what works and what doesn't work. So lifelong martial artists, they don't really like this because it poo-poos on their system. So this opened my eyes as a jiu-jitsu guy because you have to take a lot of principles from jiu-jitsu out of, out of the context of, of what you're doing in a weapon-based entanglement. So 
Yeah, it opens a lot of jujitsu guys' eyes. Yeah, that are open minded to doing it. So yeah, it's 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 pretty it's pretty crazy what the system does for people. Yeah, and 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 to that, if I could piggyback that, I think for me, you know, I was doing jujitsu, and then I got turned on to Craig's stuff, and I was like, oh, I got to take his class. He was coming to coming to Dayton, Ohio. I was like, oh, I got to take this class. So after I took ECQC, his Extreme Close Quarter Concepts course, the techniques were great. But that's not what I took away from the class. It was the it was the methodologies. It was the approach. It was his demeanor. It was his organization of the class, the actual curriculum, the way he put it together. I was like, oh, okay. So for me, as a defensive tactics instructor at the time, training jujitsu, teaching in a way that would be similar to a jujitsu class. So it's very specific. We want to get these techniques perfect. And that can work in a long-term investment for people when they're doing classes, you know, multiple times a week, but it doesn't translate into a seminar or if we're doing law enforcement training, it doesn't translate into those short blocks of instruction that you only have, you might only have one a year for a lot of, for a lot of uh, departments. For us, you know, we're fortunate enough to do it four times a year. And I had to tell I had to ask myself, okay, what is the best, best way of organizing this curriculum to where people get the most out of it? Because I stepped away from the ECQC course and I said, I remember almost everything from that class. But that's a testament to Craig's approach to it and his teaching methodologies because I w- I'm not the smartest guy, but the way he organized it, it was like, oh, this makes sense. It's layered training. We work up to the end of the day. And I, and I took that approach and applied it to my department and now applying it to our private company, Force Frontier. I'm like, this is the way you teach. But he learned the hard way, motorcycle helmets, going at it. And I think his articulation and everything that kind of comes with that is something guys in the industry need to strive to be and give credit where credit is due. Yeah. Um, with Craig, it's like his muck system, the managing unknown contacts, just how to talk to people to de-escalate the situation from even going hands-on. But if it does go hands-on, you know, learning all the system of how to properly defend yourself or at least manage you know, the person that you're dealing with to help comes. So he does everything from talking to physical and he has a why behind everything. That's the problem that I see with a lot of instructors, especially in the combatives community. They don't have a why. They just, it's regurgitated shit that they've heard and they keep recycling it over and over and over and over and over. That's why defensive tactics and law enforcement hasn't excelled or evolved you know because they're just not willing to learn new traits or skill sets but most importantly ask the why behind it it's the always we've done it this way mentality yeah absolutely and i mean as you know i mean that's just how it is in 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 our field in our line of work it's it takes guys i think like you i I have a supervisor that put trust in me even though I didn't really have the credentials to have that trust, but whether it was the way I, you know, I carried myself or my enthusiasm for defensive tactics, he trusted me to do it. And if it's not the administration that cares, it's generally, you know, I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but it's not generally the administration that cares. It's guys at the ground level taking it upon themselves to improve the firearms program, improve defensive tactics. Um, you know, it could be it could be anything from investigations, you know, all the way to, you know, actually using a gun. But 
if you don't have guys that are taking it upon themselves to push that envelope, you're not going to have that evolution that you're talking about because there's always these roadblocks or these, I don't know, these this mindset that we've always done it this way, that doesn't make any sense. But again, if you don't have that why behind it, then how are you going to explain yourself? Like the why is everything. And the why is everything to the students that come to your courses. And if you don't have a why, then they're not going to buy into it. Plain and simple. A hundred percent. Hold on. I just want to do one. Let me do one. Let me do one. Guys, guys, sorry for the interruption, but the fact is, this is my show and I can do whatever I want. But listen, while I have you, you know, you need to brush up on your self-defense tactics, right? Go to forcefrontier.com and check out force immersion. Go to the combatives tab and sign up for a course today. We only have two this year, guys. This is a course for civilians to get you better prepared for the fight ahead. Remember, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when. So get on there, sign up today, do yourself a favor, and we'll love to see you out there. All right, guys. All right. All right. We're getting back to the show. All right. So Ruben, so talking specifically about paradox training, what is what drew you to that? Um, do you do you just find that teaching and empowering students is kind of a passion of yours? And what are some of the courses people could look forward to? So I started paradox uh, due to a number of friends that helped me start teaching. They always told me I was a good instructor and I was very passionate. But one friend uh, told me that I was bitching too much and that I need to start a company. And that's my right-hand man, Mike Orlando. Um, He's as much as paradox as I am. So I was scrolling through Instagram as usual, saw a bunch of stuff being taught that I didn't agree with. And Mike just looked at me and he's like, why don't you just do something about it instead of just bitching on your phone? And I was like, damn, he pulled my card on that one. Uh, two other driving forces for me to start Paradox was my friend Sean Bonilla from Ready and Able Defense. He's another guy that's on the team with me. He's probably one of my closest friends. And, you know, he kept haggling me about starting Paradox. And then the third guy who was actually the original guy that told me to open LLC was Tony Seminoff from Real World Tactical. So he's retired out of the teaching game. He'll do, like, a class maybe once a year. So... He was telling me, you need to start LLC and start teaching. So those three guys are the like main reasons I started Paradox. And then the classes we offer is uh, ECQC Skill Builder, which is our best-selling class, which is a condensed version of Craig Douglas's ECQC, which is three days long. Mine is just eight hours, but it's only grappling-based and sim, sim work. So I got the blessing from Craig, and he allowed me to use his system along with a little bit of my own tweaks to start teaching that course. Other than that, I do rifle and pistol stuff, but it's a little bit different than your typical instructor, whereas I use your own personal data, and we start building off of how you get faster, better, more accurate. So it's tailored more for the individual than just simply shooting a bunch of targets, giving you a thumbs up. So I have all my students that have participated. I have them all logged in a, a notebook. And I have their times from when they first started to the ending of the class. And I have records of each class they've taken. So we find out if they're getting better or worse. Because what's the purpose of training? Just to get better and evolve. And I feel like we don't track that enough. I love that. I love that approach. I think what, you know, the way I would describe that is saying you have more of a coach's mindset versus an instructor mindset. It's not some boilerplate standardized approach. You're saying, how do I make you better? I mean, that's what a coach does, right? I love that. And and I think it, that's important for firearms 
related training because we can track it. You know, the shot timers are a very powerful tool. And if we can show the progress to the student, then they buy into the why. They say to themselves, okay, this is paying off. And they don't know what they don't know. So until they get out there and they have somebody like yourself who's qualified and can track that for them and make it as easy as possible to say, here's what I'm seeing. Because we don't watch ourselves training. You know, I had all kinds of goofy habits that I had developed. I was working at a shooting range before I went to the academy. And I was kind of learning just by going. But it wasn't until I had somebody more of a mentor figure for me, really pointing out what I was doing incorrectly. And not necessarily incorrectly, but ways that I could improve and ways that I could be more efficient in my draw, in my follow through, whatever it was. And I have seen specifically in the last two to three years, a substantial, a substantial uh, increase in my capabilities with the pistol specifically. And I've also tailored some of those concepts to the rifle stuff as well. So 100% love that approach. I think anybody that is looking to better themselves, whether it's an everyday carry individual or law enforcement, that sounds like the exact type of approach that we need in this industry because there's not a lot of it. There's a lot of filling the seats, seeing how many people we can get in here, lining up lining up the line, shooting down range, and not really having that personalized approach. So I love that that you guys are doing that. I think I think that's awesome. Yeah, um, it's from being a student always. You know, I've had great instructors that I pay a lot of homage to, and then I've had instructors that just really didn't fit well for my needs. They're great instructors, but not great for me, basically. So, you know, uh, a lot of instructors that helped me get the idea of how to teach, uh, one is uh, Craig Douglas, two is Will Petty, three is um, Scott Jedalinski, four is uh, Jared Rustin, and uh, a couple other guys like Mike Pannone and some other dudes that I've trained with that are awesome instructors. There was uh, one guy I trained with, I can't even say his name, but he belongs the HRT and I learned so much and I was like, holy crap, this guy really explains everything well. So taking all that from what they, they've taught me, I just try to combine it into one and create what my program is. Yeah. You got to put your own spin on it, but it's, it's, you go to enough trainings in, in law enforcement, even if it's just academies, it's annual training that we have to go to, or it's guys like you that take it upon themselves to do more training than is required of the job. But you go to enough of those, and you know the guys that have impact on you, and you know the guys that you're like, eh, I didn't really get much from that. But when you have that when you have that guy, like that Scott Jedlinski, that Craig Douglas, those guys have such an impact on you because it's like, dude, this guy knows what he's talking about. But he, but he treats it like, even though it might be his 300th class, they don't they don't give you that feeling. They don't give you that vibe from the course. It's very personalized. And I think again, you put your own spin on it, but it's great to take inspiration from guys like that. And we're lucky to have guys like that in the industry that we can say without a doubt, yeah, go see this guy. Um, and you want to be in that category as well. And I think from from what I've seen, at least, you definitely are. I need to take some of your classes. I need to make a trip down south for sure. But I think it's great that you pay homage to those guys, and I think it, it shows 
you know, a level of humility to say, I wasn't always a black belt. I wasn't always on the SWAT team. You know, I even think back, you know, even just for me 12 years ago, I was nothing. And I put in a lot of work and I see, to, I say to myself, even in jiu-jitsu, we do this all the time, man, I would kick white belt version of me all day long. And I think if you look back on that and you kind of say to yourself, man, I, I've come a long way. And I think that's probably what the guys were saying to you. Uh, and if I'm speaking out of turn, you just let me know. But they see something in you that you are a good instructor. You need to get after it. And what do cops do? They bitch, right? I bitch all the time. That's yep. what we do. But it's great to say, listen, man, if you're not happy with it, then change it. And you're like, oh, I'm, I'm lucky to have friends like you guys. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go do it. And it's empowering, too. I'm sure as a cop, you know, you're always being told what to do. But to run a company with your friends, I, I know I found it to be incredibly liberating. It's like, this is awesome. I don't need to, I don't need to beg for this equipment that I know I need. I'm just going to go out and buy it because I know it's going to benefit the students. Um, so there definitely is something about that. Have you found that to be the case? Like running your own company, has that been liberating for you? Uh, running my own company is fun, but it's also stressful too. Yeah. You know, you have to market things, make sure that the class is getting enough exposure, but yeah, I don't have to go through anybody. Um, the only thing is I'll get Mike's uh, opinion on things and see if it's worth doing. And if he doesn't agree with it, then we talk about it, think about what's the next best approach. We go from there, but it's only Mike and I for a paradox. So it's not, it's not hard. You know, we get along great. So I see a lot of people that have businesses with their friends and it goes to shit with Mike and I, we have the same mindset. It's just he has uh, the business civilian approach behind it, which is always what you need. Because if I just tailor the cops, then Paradox won't exist. Yeah, And, I th and that's what I love about having him here. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad you have that balance because I think, you know, it's, it's super important to cater to the civilians that are out there. Because there's, you know, just because you're not doing the job doesn't mean you wouldn't benefit from it, right? This whole show in and of itself is talking to people like you that want people to be better protectors. We want to open the dialogue and say, how can you as a father, as a mother, you know, as a cop, as somebody in the military, it doesn't matter who you are. You're obviously listening to this show and you're following pages like Paradox Training because you want to be better as a protector. And the courses are fun, the content's entertaining, but that's the ultimate goal. That's the underlying foundation of this whole thing is we want to be better. You know, for us, we try to take it upon ourselves to, we're running a business. There's no mistaking that, but we have met so many amazing people along the way, and I'm sure you have as well. And we're reaching out to like church security groups. These are guys that volunteer their time and they're not paid for it, but they're asked to put potentially their lives on the line. Now, day to day, it's not that dramatic, but it could be. And they understand that going into it. And I think that's super admirable. And as a police officer, I love meeting people like that because obviously I identify in that same light where I can say, yeah, that's why I ultimately wanted to do the job. This stuff is cool. I like, you know, I like putting the green on and I like to go do SWAT stuff. But, you know, the underlying message, the underlying thing that I want out there is that I'm trying to be the best version of myself and I want to get out there and train and I want to learn from different people. I don't want to stay in my own lane, think I have all the answers. I want to talk to people like Ruben 
And I want to talk to people like Aaron Gennetti and Craig Douglas and everybody that I think is doing an incredible job in the space. And I want to say, man, if I get the opportunity, I'm going to take a class from that guy because I know I'll take something from it. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Aaron Gennetti, great instructor, oh, better person. Like oh, yeah. I, just him being around me is just so positive. And the dude's got cardio for days. Like we rolled for probably like six minutes and he just kept coming at me like, uh, all right, you tell me I'm still coming at you. I'm like, dude, this guy's like a little spider monkey. Right. And and then another good uh, instructor that I trained with that doesn't get a lot of credit is David Acosta. You know, he's great. You were talking about like beating yourself up 12 years ago. He has an analogy. How would you defeat your evil twin? And that stuck with me really well because I've always thought about that. Like, can I beat myself up from a year ago? And the answer I already know is absolutely yes because constantly evolving, taking more courses, even taking the same course. When I train with Craig, I always learn something new every time. He's like the black belt, and I'm just the blue belt, like sitting there just constantly wanting to get more. Just like Aaron, when I met him at the Combative Summit, I didn't know you could use a shirt so well to control somebody. You know, I didn't participate in the class because I only had one shirt on, and I'm like, dude, I'm not, I love this shirt. I'm not getting it messed up, you know, and I'm not taking off my shirt and showing off my dad bod to these dudes. So, you know, it was cool to watch it. I took a lot of notes. Another great instructor that I, I can't believe I just forgot to mention because there's so many is Cole Miller. You know, former UFC fighter, special forces groups are bringing him in to do wall work. And that's art within itself, fighting off of a wall with a weapon. So I ended up AIing for him, but I ended up just learning more being an AI than being a student. So you have all these guys within the combative se sector that are just making it grow into something better than what we had 10 plus years ago. So it's good to see. Yeah, definitely. And what do you think it takes on that same note to inspire and, and, and kind of change the way as a profession, we address defensive tactics. You know, it's kind of been the same way for a long time. I know, I know in Ohio, we have had a lot of influence from, uh, Gracie survival tactics. Um, now that kind of goes back to what we talked about before, but it is better than it was. So when I went through as an instructor, it was at least the first year that they had actually changed the curriculum up. And it was very much jujitsu and wrestling based. So I appreciated that. And I did gain something from the class. And that's one of, probably one of the first times I can say from a state run training, I actually got something from it. But what do you think it takes, you know, to get guys like that in that space where, you know, we inspire, even if it's just cops on an individual basis to go out and train? Because I think to break that mold, you just need a disruptor of some sort to kind of change the way we look at defensive tactics in law enforcement. I mean, I, I'd be curious your thoughts on that. How do we change that? First of all, we have to change like the whole mindset behind defensive tactics. The issue that a lot of cops don't want to do defensive tactics is number one, they think they're too out of shape for it, which is their own fault. And number two, they think they're going to get injured. And that's the biggest thing is the injury. And you have to be able to articulate how I can mitigate injuries. Now, injuries are going to happen with whichever course you teach. It happened in firearms. It could happen in combatives. It could even happen you're leaving a CIT class and you trip over a desk or something. So for us in the combatives and the firearms, is we have to give a good safety brief. And we have to teach people how to train. And you have to give consequences behind it. So for me, when I teach firearms, I'm like, when is it acceptable for somebody to flag someone? Never. So if I see it once, you're out of the class and there's no excuses behind it. And that puts it in their head. This dude's not fucking around. 
another thing is for the combatives, Craig Douglas did the best with it, is stating the modalities of training on how to train and what he expects you to train like. And I'm not going to go over it because that's his curriculum. But the biggest thing is he tells you how you should drill within a contextual environment. So that way you don't have one pair of guys just training and learning the technique. And then you have another pair of guys just trying to prove their dominance. So it's good to see how he teaches people how to train. And that for me has limited injuries and also just telling people to take the ego out. You check them right off the rip. They're going to respect that. But if you don't tell them how to train or tell them to drop the ego or give consequences behind it, then they won't respect the curriculum or how to train properly. So that's what I think is really like the biggest scare is injuries and thinking that they're out of shape to do combatives, which is not the case. What GST is they uh, sell it very well for everyone to do it. And they have a very sparkling personality. You know, there's things that I pulled from GST that I found were very good. And then there's things that I pulled from GST that I don't really agree with, but I didn't know better at the time. My eyes opened when I started training with Craig and I had to really check myself on it and realize that it too is not the way it's a way you need everything to do. You need wrestling, striking, you know, jitsu. And for me as a third degree black belt, I rather stay upright and grapple in an upright position than go to the ground in a weapon based environment. So yeah, it's, it's crazy to see the different mindsets of this stuff. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be offered from, you know, people in the space, whether it's jujitsu, wrestling, whatever it is. I, I will tell you, I, I was in the same boat as you where I got kind of introduced to this stuff and looking at it from outside the jujitsu perspective. And I just went down a rabbit hole and we have, um, we have a, a program force immersion and it's very much, um, I credit guys like Craig and it, it's not, it's not the, the same approach or, or, or curriculum or anything like that, but it's definitely, he inspired the way we organize it and the way I think about the job. So for law enforcement perspective, the way, you know, you have to contextualize this stuff. Our context in law enforcement is different from civilians. So we have to put that into the curriculum. So when he kind of opened my eyes to that approach, we went all in and really started looking into something that I was not comfortable with, not knowledgeable on, folk-style wrestling pins. You know, what is our goal in law enforcement? It's to hold somebody down. And this is specific to more of a one-on-one violent encounter waiting for backup to arrive. That's our approach to this class. Because I think for the most part, we figure it out when we have multiple officers there. It's not always the prettiest. It doesn't always work out. But you see less officers injured in that circumstance versus a one-on-one violent encounter. So we just went down the rabbit hole with these pins. And I'm like, man, I really like this approach. And we worked on it, worked on it, and finally got to the point where we thought it made the most sense to us. And it it's not just theorizing this stuff. It's doing what you guys do, what Craig does. It's actually getting out on the mats and figuring it out. And I think, you know, you have to be willing to do that as an instructor. And I think too, you know, going back to the DT thing with law enforcement, you can't be, and this is a weird analogy, but you can't be that fat parent screaming and yelling at your kids from the couch. You know, you can't be that guy that's just yelling at people. You This is important. You could get hurt out there. You could die. It doesn't translate, right? Like you said, ego out the door. That includes the instructors, the coaches. And we need to show people the why. 
understand why this works and mitigate injury. Like you were explaining, like it takes, I think it takes an individual to know people's limits on an individual basis, which is something you guys are looking at, but also pushing it to the point where they, they get something from it. Right. So your evolutions with specifically your ECQC skill builder courses, how do you approach those evolutions to where you mitigate injury, but you also get something from the students? So it's just like pairing off beginners in jiu-jitsu and rules, right? I'm going to look at body types. I'm going to look at experience levels. But also I'm going to look at demeanor too. I'm going to see who's the amp guy, who's the calm one, who's the nervous one, you know? And from there, I'll pair them up. Sometimes the pair-ups aren't good, but they even make some of the best evolutions though. And the thing is, is I'm constantly watching them. So you don't see a phone in my hand. You don't see the camera in my hand. Like I'm focused on them. If I feel a finger gets caught in the trigger guard, or I feel if they're falling in a wrong direction, then I'm going to stop it right there. Or if the mask comes off. So I'm focused on both of them and I'm watching it. And it's hard to try to spectate it and, and be there to like be a safety. Because sometimes I'll get into it. I'm like, oh, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. But then I have to revert back to, hey, is that safe? Because safety is going to be paramount in every class that I teach. I don't want my patrons or my students to get hurt in my class because they pay to, you know, trust me with this curriculum. Now, will freak accidents happen? Yes. And they understand that. But as long as they know that I'm going to keep it safe with all my means, then they'll be fine. And they get bruises, little cuts, but we haven't had anything major, knock on wood. But um, they all have fun at the end of the day, and they all know their limits and what they could do. Uh, another great course for cops that I learned a lot on on not getting injured was in the Special Operations Combatives Program with uh, Greg Thompson yeah, and Chad Pittman. And those guys are amazing. They're more for a team-based environment for, like, you know, for Special Operations SWAT. But I highly recommend their courses. You know, they know what they're doing. They've been in it for years. And the way that I see how they teach too is a lot like Craig Douglas, but those are guys that I would go to to learn how to teach like the evolution portions. And that's why my classes are doing so well. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah, that's awesome. And, and yeah, Greg Thompson, uh, uh, I've heard nothing but good things. And that's definitely a class that I have on my bucket list along with a lot of the other guys you've talked about. I need to do some more traveling and I'm at a point where, I've kind of, you know, so busy with work, so busy with the business that I'm I'm gearing up to go to another class and be the student cuz it's been a little bit. I want to I want to get your opinion on stuff cuz your content, you talked about your content a little bit having fun in the in the class and everything like that. I get a kick out of the uh, uh what do you, you put the blanks in the in the sim gun and fake people out. Yeah. I get such a kick out of that cuz you just see people <laughs> their cheeks are clenching, they are they're nervous. Because like you said, it, those things sting, man. If, if you don't know for our listeners, those sim, those sim munition rounds hurt like a mother. But that's the point, right? It's it's part of the training. But your blank little uh, trick there, it gets me every time. Um, on that same notion, I want to get your opinion because I thought it would just be fun. TikTok cops, man. It is an epidemic in our profession. And I'd love to get your opinion on them. Because I think there's a difference. It's like... You got these guys doing the the entertainment thing, and and for me, I'm like, okay, whatever. They're doing the stupid skits. I kind of just pass it off. I draw the line when people start teaching on TikTok that have no idea what they're talking about. That does get me fired up. 
I'm curious your thoughts, man. Is it is it as big of a problem as I'm making it out to be? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> and um, it's bad. TikTok cops are the worst. And it's either you got the lazy slugs that are fat out of shape that you wouldn't want to come to your family when they have something bad happening in their life and that cop shows up. And then you have TikTok cops and they're the worst too. And they might be the slugs too. Are they lower than the slugs, you or think? Or they're just recording. I think they're lower than the slugs. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, it's just bad, especially dudes that are just giving instruction just to get more followers, just to get uh, more swag, free gear. Basically, you're selling your soul. And, you know, I don't know people's religious backgrounds, but for me being a Christian, you know, I have my, my faults and shit, but to sell my soul and tell cops that, that this is a way to shoot or what gear, that's that's wrong because you're going to get that one rookie that doesn't know better and they're going to end up buying your stuff or using a technique you showed and it could cost them their life. And yeah, it falls on them, but it also falls on you as well. You know, um, there's also cops that don't do TikToks, but just try to sell a bunch of gear, uh, curriculums that haven't been tested per se. And they feel like they're doing, you know, a great job and changing the mindsets behind law enforcement. But really, they're just selling a product and they could potentially get the hundreds of students that they teach hurt. You know, both of my parents are cops. My dad's retired. My mom still works midnights in a municipality in Miami. And I think about what if I had to teach my mom how to do weapon retention? Bet your ass I'm not teaching her a Kimura because my mom's five foot four, 140 pounds probably. And she has NFL players that live in her city. So what if you get a coked out NFL player that goes and grabs your gun? You think she's going to be able to wrap her tiny arms around his arm for a Kimura? Or at least put her hand on top of his hand and shove that gun in the holster? No. So if you're teaching this to cops, they think that a subject that is actively resisting, they both could walk up and Kimura him and take him down. That's not how it works in the streets, ladies and gentlemen. When somebody's pushing, bracing, tensing, pulling, or getting an aggressive posture where they ball their fists, Am I taught like how to look at those cues and then think about what I should do? Or I'm just going to revert back to, hey, I've always done the Kimura against the wall against a non-worthy adversary. Now I have an adversary that doesn't give a shit about a uniform, a badge, and a gun. I go to Kimura, I put both of my extremities on one extremity. What's that other hand going to be doing? Accessing weapons, punching, doing something else, or trying to grab around my belt. So if you don't know how to place your gear properly, they could be grabbing your gun, knife, less uh, lethal options. So they don't really think about stuff like that. They go from the whole, like, hey, the Kimura is going to work. So that's the issue that I have with TikTok cops that give stuff like that or guys that run companies that are just as bad as the TikTok cops that do it for the social media clout and the money selling false promises. So, yeah, I have a big issue with those guys. (laughs) I see that. I see that. I'm getting you fired up, Ruben. I don't mean to. But I am with you, though. No, it's all good. (laughs) I'm with you because... Like it, it, I don't know. It, you take the job seriously, right? We 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 all take it seriously. I'm the first guy to joke around, um, you know, have a good time at work with the guys that I work with. I'm blessed to be with just such a great group, and we don't have that. We don't have those TikTok cops. I am super lucky, um, but you know, it like you said, it it is it is almost a form of selling your soul, and I don't think we're being too dramatic by saying that. I mean especially if you're pushing products, which is just such a thing now. I mean, before I started Force Frontier, I had a Facebook that my wife tagged me in photos of stuff. You know, like I didn't have social media. 
I tried to stay away from it. It just wasn't an interest of me. Now, I enjoy doing the stuff for Force Frontier and pushing our content and doing all that stuff. But I tell people all the time, the stuff on our website is stuff we wear and the stuff we use real world. I wear this body armor, for instance, every single day, and it's available on our website. Of course, it is a business. Like I said before, I'm not disguising that in any way, shape, or form. But I'm telling you, as a SWAT guy, as a guy that wears this every single day, this is the body armor I trust, and these are the reasons for that. There's a big difference between that and, oh, the TikTok shop is having you sell this certain product. And because you're a TikTok cop and because you have hundreds of thousands of followers, you should push it. And without any you know, experience with it or any research on your end, you're just going to push this stuff out there. And it's very frustrating. Um, but I think it is also just the the culture we have now. Um, and I don't think it's, you know, some of it's good, but some of it is, you know, cringy and bad. So it's, you know, cops are not, uh, they're cops are just as susceptible as the rest of the, of the culture on that type of type of stuff. But I, I'm with you, man, principles, morals, you have them. And, um, you know, I wish more people did because ultimately when you find that individual, you go to paradox training, you see what Ruben's about, that's going to get people to come back. I'm sure you've seen that. You've had a lot of success, and I I hope you continue to have it. Where can guys find you on social media, your website, all that good stuff? So social media, I have two platforms. I have my personal, which is RBJJ04. That's where you get to see like how I am. Like I'm always joking on my personal page. It's private for a reason. You know, I like to select who follows me on there. But if you just want to see the training stuff, paradox underscore training on Instagram. And then our website's paradox-training.com. And that's where we list our classes. Um, next year, I'm going to be traveling a little bit more. But also being on a SWAT team, I have to make sure all the scheduling is not conflicting. So I know I'm going to come back out to Texas next year around probably April or May. I know I'm going to Vegas January 21st, teaching an ECQC skill builder out there. And then I'm going to have some other classes coming up. So it should be good. Um, but yeah, we're just trying to grow and, you know, spread the word on like legit training, not only within the Paradox community, but like the Shiv Works, the Sock P, you know, the other guys I've trained with that are legit. And there's a lot of guys out there doing good work on the combative spectrum. So, you know, I like to push those guys out too, you know, make it where the legit guys are, are being pushed out more than these guys that are just doing it for cloud and money. So, yeah. Love it, man. I love it. And guys, if you are in, especially Florida, I know you do a lot of classes in there, uh, in Florida. And But if, if any of those classes at paradox-training.com interest you, make sure you sign up. Um, I, and I, I, I'm in that list as well. I, I plan on coming to see you because I love, I love learning from other individuals and I like your style. I like what you guys have to, to put out there. So, Ruben, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. I really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Your support means everything to us. And to show our gratitude for that support, if you guys leave us a review on Amazon, Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to this podcast from, leave us a review, and it will automatically enter you into a chance to win a free Stealth 2.0 plate carrier from Shellback Tactical. Simple as that, guys. We cannot thank you enough for the support. And this show is a fun opportunity for us to give you a little bit more insight on who we are at Force Frontier, and hopefully to 
talk about important topics that you guys find relevant in your lives as protectors. We plan on putting out a ton of episodes. So with that, guys, we're going to leave you, and we will see you on the next episode.